Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Hello and welcome to the Keto Show. This is Brad Kearns. I am working hard with Mark Sisson on a sequel to the New York Times best-selling Keto Reset Diet. This next work will focus on the topic of longevity. You're going to absolutely love it. We are advocating for a comprehensive approach, especially cultivating that longevity mindset where you live in a state of gratitude and have a gratitude practice, have mindfulness practice, perhaps formal meditation sequences, or just taking the time to slow down, disengage, disconnect, and enjoy yourself. We're getting sucked into the vortex of hyperconnectivity and constant simulation. And I, for one, am not too happy about some of the recent doings of modern life and am fighting my hardest to maintain that primal style approach where you have appreciation for nature and health practices that benefit both mind and body centered around the ketogenic diet or the keto zone type of existence where you fluctuate in and out of the strict macronutrient requirements but honor the basic principles of keto. And as we get further and further down the road of explosive popularity of the keto movement, we have to keep our eye on the ball and make sure we respect the basic principles. One of them that I shake my head about a lot is the original notion of keto is an evolutionary-based metabolic trait that allows us to survive and even thrive in the absence of dietary carbohydrate intake or with minimal dietary carbohydrate intake. So the designed use of ketones come when you are starving, like our ancestors often were. And when we're not getting the carbs we need from the diet, we can make these wonderful ketone bodies in the liver, send them to the brain, and experience heightened cognitive function, less oxidative stress than when we're constantly burning glucose, which is pretty much the state of the modern human, even the uh, healthy primal aligned paleo aligned eater that's not getting low enough with carb intake or fasting frequently enough to get into uh, any measurable or sustained level of ketosis. So keto is designed to be paired with fasting or starvation and give you all these metabolic benefits. The modern day uh, distortion of stuffing your face with fat uh, day and night, throwing the butter in your coffee as soon as you wake up and snacking on all the wonderful preparations that you find in the recipe books uh, is kind of getting further and further away from uh, the original intended use by uh, genetics and evolution. So let's remember that the journey of keto is designed to get you really good at fasting, skipping meals, burning body fat, and making ketones. So the indiscriminate consumption of fat all day long, day after day, still eating your three meals a day, slamming down a bunch of uh, exogenous ketone supplements in the name of burning fat is a complete distortion of the original intent. So let's do things right and listen to my 
show where I have commentary about my uh, most recent update of my own personal keto journey. See if you can get some insights, some food for thought there. And this one, as promised, we're going to get into some Q&A from real live people doing their best and trying to get it going. First one is Tim, 48 years old, won a mountainous half marathon with 170 participants. Way to go for the old guys. And he is sticking to primal endurance principles like building an aerobic base, doing his hot and cold exposure, fasting, weight training, participating in crazy stuff like 50-mile ultra marathon runs with 13,000 feet of vertical climbing. So he's describing in detail his very awesome and impressive workout and lifestyle regimen, especially the proper integration of high-intensity strength training sessions. He's preparing for three mountainous races, one 16 miles, one 65, one 20 miler, separated by only a week. Whew. Okay, man, big time goals for a 48-year-old dude. Very impressive. I'm very fat adapted, muscular, and lean. Uh, these are important uh, details for the uh, answer of the question, right? So I can make the proper recommendation. We can all reflect on the idea that if you're fat adapted, muscular, lean, and performing magnificent endurance feats, your keto journey might look decidedly different than someone who writes in who has been struggling with yo-yo dieting, the consequent metabolic damage, the lifelong accumulation of excess body fat and difficulty removing it, and so forth. So the big question for Tim, I'm wondering how to approach the time between now and my three races that are a couple months hence. Uh, He's ending by asking me which race he should do, which one he might skip, And I'm not sure what this has to do with keto or the keto listening audience, but it allowed me to make the important point that if you're in this category of a lean, mean racing machine, uh, your carb intake and your keto guidelines are going to be different than if you're trying to lose excess body fat. So let's wish him luck and know that you can cycle in and out of strict ketogenic periods when you're putting in that kind of mileage, although there has been some great success reported from people that are adhering to pretty strict keto and doing these extreme endurance events. When we're talking about endurance performance, we realize that uh, when you're doing these ultras, you're burning uh, the vast majority of your calories are coming from fat. You don't have an increased need for glucose like a short-term explosive athlete might or like an NBA player who's uh, you know putting out that those explosive efforts over a long period of time, soccer player, Um, where they might have uh, more demand for glycogen repletion after their efforts. But when you're out there going all day long, even at a good pace that's going to win you races, you can pretty much get by on strict keto and be a ketone burning machine. Go look at Sammy Inkinen's website where he chronicles in detail all the calories he consumed and his blood ketone numbers over a grueling six-day Uh, stage race on mountain bikes where he's putting out a lot of energy each day and trying hard to remain in ketosis the whole time, helping him recover quickly, helping him mitigate the inflammatory effects of crazy stage racing, putting up big blood ketone numbers, even though he was consuming, I believe, up to 200 grams of carbohydrates per day. But when you're burning them out there uh, racing for four, three, four, five, six hours, Hey, you're still going to stay in ketosis even if you're eating 
vastly more carbohydrates than we mention in the typical keto story for the average person. Okay, Patty Summers, 63, says she had a pancreatectomy in March, also lost her spleen in the process. Started keto in June. So having no pancreas, no spleen, uh, not being a physician here, I can't really tie that insight together very well with some dietary recommendations, uh, but interesting and uh, good luck to you as you recover from the surgeries uh, with the ketogenic diet. But her problem here is um, she hasn't lost any fat. However, blood sugar has dropped 20 points back into normal range. Good news. So she says she considers herself to be 15 to 20 pounds overweight. Doctor says it's okay to do keto with a partial pancreas, but I'm worried about the long-term effects. Question, why can't I get fat adapted? I can't seem to get into ketosis. I do CrossFit three times a week and a home workout one to two times a week. Any suggestions to get my body to start dropping the weight? I'm very frustrated. Uh, So working on that minimal information, putting the medical concerns for a while because she got the thumbs up from her doctor, uh, but she's been following keto for a while, not dropped any excess body fat. What the heck is going on? My first observation is doing CrossFit three times a week and a home workout another uh, one to two times a week is a lot of energy output while you're trying to transition over to keto. I'm going to guess that there are some occasional backslides in there where you're over-consuming calories, possibly over-consuming carbohydrates due to the depleting effects of such an ambitious workout regimen. So my first recommendation would be to fluctuate, increase the severity of your stress and rest fluctuations in your workout patterns. I don't think five times, four to five times a week of an ambitious workout uh, is ideal for a female 63 years old recovering from surgery. So I would say if you tone down your workout energy output, perhaps keep one or one and a half of those five workouts uh, at the usual high intensity, completing the entire CrossFit workout, whatever you want it to be, so you can get those high notes hit, but have more downtime, more days where you're just walking, doing basic exercise and movement, and making it easier to adhere to uh, the macronutrient guidelines when you're into uh, a weight loss goal. Uh, Secondly, we want to make sure that all your health markers are in place before you try to achieve a caloric deficit that's going to stimulate weight loss. Great quote from Dr. Tommy Wood, Nourish, Balance, Thrive. I did three, two wonderful podcasts with him on the Get Over Yourself podcast channel, including a third show where I wrapped up everything and uh, tried to convey to the listener all the important points that he made uh, because this guy was a wealth of information, including some really uh, memorable insights, one of them being don't even try to reduce excess body fat until you get completely healthy first. If you jump into this game with uh, inflammation issues, autoimmune issues, Uh, gut dysfunction issues, you are going to have a really hard time, especially when you do something strict and as extreme a departure from standard eating patterns for decades as keto. So take it easy, tone down your workout energy output, and perhaps try to dial in those macros a little better. And I also like on uh, on the high note, Uh, doing a workout that's maybe even slightly more difficult than you're used to, to shock the body 
into a fat reduction mode. Uh, and the only way you can achieve that is by toning down the many other workouts. So we want to go from uh, mediocrity every single day to some good high notes, some impressive workouts where you're rested and energized, and then you recover a lot afterward. Next question. Hey, man, what do you know about the ketogenic diet and vitiligo? I'm a 49-year-old white male that's had vitiligo for seven years now. I used to use topical steroids and light treatments with a dermatologist and the white patches would go away. So what do I know about vitiligo? It's a skin condition that causes white patches. That's all I know, man, because you just told me about it. Uh, I jumped on the keto reset diet, hoping it would help with inflammation, which helps autoimmune diseases. There's plenty of scientific research to support that. I'm commenting as well as uh, reading through his question string. Uh, Unfortunately, my vitiligo went into hyperdrive and expanded into places it wasn't before after a few weeks of going keto. Wow, that's pretty trippy, man. One thing that's possible is when people jump into this and they start mobilizing fat to be burned that's been in storage for a while, and this seems to be the case with this reader because they report going down from 192 to 178. Uh, But Dr. Kate Shanahan offered some commentary on this matter where if you're dumping these toxic polyunsaturated vegetable oils that you consume that are stored in your fat cells, if you're dumping those into the bloodstream uh, in rapid fire succession, uh, as when you lose a lot of weight in a short time, there could be some toxicity effects to this. So you're literally detoxing from your previous dietary habits and burning this unhealthy fat off. So hopefully this is a short-term reaction that's being manifested with your skin condition. Of course, I can't comment on why that skin condition, uh, I can't offer a medical opinion on why that skin condition went into hyperdrive, but I just thought I would offer up that insight, float it out there into the airspace and see if um, it might have some relevance. All right. So he's just complaining about uh, this skin condition, went to a naturopath in L.A., and also discovered that this person had gut dysbiosis as well as inflammation indicators. No surprise. So indeed, got to go to the source of the problem. Instead of putting topical steroids on your skin to take the reaction down, of course, that's only a short-term Band-Aid approach. Uh, Almost literally, when you think about putting something on your skin like a Band-Aid to arrest it, but not deal with the cause. And so if you can get to a good naturopath And I would uh, provide this answer to many, many people who have these unusual conditions uh, that they can't seem to fix with traditional medical treatment. You got to go out and there into the functional medicine world. Jeez, listen to all the wonderful podcasts about doctors uh, of various uh, specialties and trainings talking about alternative approaches. And interestingly enough today, a lot of the paths lead to gut dysfunction. It seems to be epidemic proportions. So focusing on gut health is a great strategy these days to kind of right some of these mysterious and frustrating conditions. Okay, Marion is writing in a very lengthy message about uh, some gut microbiome concerns and wanting to give a little plug for the carnivore diet. 
The carnivore diet is an elimination diet known for helping autoimmune diseases due to the complete lack of fiber. I think it's likely that your gut microbiome dramatically changes on meat only. Very interesting. If you haven't heard of the carnivore diet, it seems to be uh, the next latest hot fad diet offshoot of keto, offshoot of primal paleo, whatever, where people stick to only meat products for a defined period of time, 30 days. Some people are going indefinitely into the carnivore mode and reporting all these great results dealing with strange inflammatory conditions that were not uh, right, righted with a traditional primal paleo keto approach. So on and on about the interesting ideas and benefits experienced from carnivore diet. Wow. So uh, she is suggesting that maybe someone who's plateaued on keto weight loss could benefit from carnivore for a little while to reset their gut microbiome. Obviously, you're going to run this by your physician or a registered dietitian or nutritionist, and they're going to scream or run screaming in the opposite direction because it's so new and unique and lack of scientific uh, historical perspective here. But we do know that humans have uh, survived and thrived for two and a half million years on the uh, short list of ancestral foods, which includes meat, and very likely there have been isolated populations of humans who have lived for long periods of time on only meat because their environment did not support any other kind of uh, plant matter, especially as we get into the uh, further northern latitudes. And humans have colonized outside of Africa and up to the northern latitudes and southern latitudes, I suppose, uh, for only about the past uh, 20,000 years, give or take. We went into Europe around 30,000 years ago, and then we kept drifting northward, northward, and then into Scandinavia, but not for a long time. So nice insight, nice letter, and uh, justification for not dismissing the carnivore diet out of hand just because it seems weird. She's talking about improved uh, weight loss, muscle definition, bowel movements, oh, gut microbiome believing to be reset. Okay. Um, So down to some uh, question parts. I'm now, over the past four to six weeks, this is Marion, experiencing some possible... Uh, reflux, possible GERD symptoms, tightness behind the sternum and the throat, belching, dry cough, inflammation. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm taking some enzymes. I've decided to cut down on fat intake, raw vegetables, and completely eliminate cacao powder in my daily smoothie and my MCT oil to ascertain any improvements. Symptoms are manageable, but I wish to completely correct this problem. I'd greatly appreciate your take on the matter. I'm wondering if infection with H. pylori Uh, and the acidity of the stomach has a signaling influence on the functioning of the lower esophageal sphincter. Uh, Okay, Marion, you know, this is a big challenge for me since I'm not a doctor. I could forward your question to my sister or something, Uh, but let's keep the questions tight and relatable to everyone and staying away from uh, asking for medical observations. That would be a good idea on this show. What can I add? Uh, Congratulations on doing the experimentations and the eliminations. I think a lot of people uh, would be benefited from uh, 
doing something similar. Eliminate something from the diet for a week. See if things improve, things change. Uh, that's not likely to be your mainstream medical approach. If you go in with assorted conditions, you'll probably go out with a prescription. But a lot of times that elimination diet can uh, really pinpoint some things that might be causing problems. Uh, I love Dr. Phil Maffetone's two-week test. He has been advocating this for, oh my gosh, I probably first heard about this 25 years ago, maybe more, where you take two weeks and eliminate uh, pretty much all forms of carbohydrates, sort of like the Atkins induction test. And then after two weeks, you can gradually add back uh, your sweet potatoes, your chosen carbs, and see if you have uh, a sweet spot where there are no recurrence of those annoying symptoms of carbohydrate dependency, but also you're able to uh, enjoy a varied diet, including the uh, whatever carbohydrate intake you need to function at your best. So you can look up that. I'm sure you can find something on the internet or in some of Maffetone's early books about the two-week test. Pretty simple. Next, we have D, 23-year-old female, low carb for almost two years, under 100 grams. Last month, started keto by replacing my fruit with avocado. Keto makes me feel good, energetic, makes my brain clear and focused, but I'm confused about my body fat. Before I started keto, my protein intake was around uh, 80 or 90, maybe 100 sometimes. Now in keto, I'm down to 50 to 60 grams of protein per day. I have fat around 160 and I eat a lot of vegetables, about a kilogram per day, broccoli, cabbage, celery, love them. I'm now modifying my protein and fat since I found that my body fat increased and I lost a tiny bit of muscle mass. I'm confusing uh, whether I should maintain my original protein intake. Her original protein intake was 80 or 90 grams. And then she cut it down to 50 or 60. I'm only 50 kilograms. So that is 110 pounds. So if you're going at 80 to 90 grams of protein and you weigh 110, that is probably uh, a really nice optimal level where you can ensure that you're not under consuming protein. And if you're cutting down to 50 to 60, wow, that's not a lot of protein. Um, I would say that the answer to your first question, should I maintain my original protein intake? Sure, why not? Um, and honestly, I'm craving fat, not protein, she says. If I increase protein back to the original, should I cut fat down or just eat my veggies and protein and then eat fat till I feel full? Uh, whew, yeah, this is some hair splitting going on here and I would uh, rather advocate that you uh, unleash your massive, wonderful, magical powers of intuition and choose the foods uh, that you want every single meal. See what you feel like, uh, pay attention to some cravings, uh, surround yourself with good, healthy options, and prepare some delicious meals, not worrying so much, not stressing so much about the relative uh, contribution of the macronutrients, and especially not making a concerted effort to keep that protein lower than your original intake of 80 or 90 grams per day because you're going to be missing out on too many healthy foods if you're uh, restricting it to that extent. Um, and she says, yeah, I'm afraid of gluconeogenesis. Would you mind telling me whether uh, my dietary fat will be stored as body fat during gluconeogenesis? Uh, overall, when you are 49 kilograms of total body weight, I wouldn't worry about any of that stuff 
And I would probably suggest that you benefit, especially as a 23-year-old female uh, in your peak reproductive years, not suggesting that you um, want to get pregnant or should or whatever you decide to do with your future life. But it is a time for uh, maximum nutrition and making sure that you don't skimp, especially on protein and not worrying about gluconeogenesis. It looks like you're fat adapted, having no problem for two years uh, following this low-carb diet. So no worries. Enjoy life. Eat more healthy, nutritious foods. Next question is Sharice, type 1 diabetic wearing an insulin pump, have been eating low carb for the last few years. Cool. These are the people that I would love to see speaking at medical conventions when we're still advocating that type 1 diabetics include this or that carbohydrate in every meal. Ask any registered dietitian and boy, it seems like if anything, these people would be plunging deep into the keto scene so that they don't need to produce that much insulin to digest their food, their meals, and not stress uh, the, uh, uh, the type 1 aspect, the using of the pump and the injecting of the uh, powerful drug of insulin on a daily basis. Okay. Uh, I recently had a notion. I'd like to see if I can get myself totally off of insulin. And yes, there are examples. There are stories of people, type 1 diabetic, who completely eliminated their reliance on insulin, uh, defying medical uh, circumstance, medical belief. And you can read these stories on marksdailyapple.com. Use the efficient search feature and uh, see if you can find some type 1 stories that'll blow your mind. Forget about type 2 diabetes. We know that uh, in a few weeks of dietary modification, you can disqualify yourself from that disastrous category that includes uh, hundreds of millions of people around the world. What did I just read? Did it say 400 million, 600 million, some ridiculous number of type 2 diabetics around the world? Uh, We know that the escalating rates in the United States of America have the potential to bankrupt not only the healthcare system, but the United States Treasury by the year 2060. That's from Dr. Doug McGuff and Robert Murphy, co-authors of the book, The Primal Prescription. Citing statistics that if type 2 diabetes rates grow at their current pace, breakneck uh, runaway pace, the cost of caring for these folks, because you can now care for a type 2 diabetic for many, many years with expensive drugs and treatment protocols, you you can do so to the extent that we're going to go bankrupt unless we uh, write the course somehow, which would be starting point of uh, getting rid of the massive overconsumption of refined carbohydrates and grain foods. So here's uh, Charisse, type 1, trying to get off insulin. Uh, My insulin requirements have decreased uh, when I gave keto a try. I've lost inches, but not weight. I haven't gone fully keto, but I feel fat adapted. I don't have those swings in blood sugar so badly. I'm able to fast for 14 to 16 hours. My mind is sharper. I'm not crazy hungry. But every time I check my ketones, they're negative or slight on the P-strips. I realize, ooh, we have an informed listener, love that. I realize this could be the Shanahan keto flux theory. But I wonder if my constant continuous infusion of insulin interferes with my ability to make ketones. I feel like I'm ready to try to go keto. I want to start dropping fat and cut up like I used to be. I mainly wear my insulin pump around my belly. I'm not sure if my belly fat is uh, lipodystrophy or real belly fat. So I guess that's an accumulation of fat around the pump. 
Uh, and I wonder if there's any physicians, endocrinologists who are also keto friendly and what they all have to say about keto and type one diabetes. I guess you can go tap into some podcasts, uh, folks like Chris Kresser who care for real patients and might have uh, more informed insights about uh, how the keto diet can help type one diabetes, but difficult to uh, dispense medical advice again. Um, so let's see if we can get more physicians on board, says Sharice. But back to some of those questions in there. Um, so not putting up uh, high ketone values. First of all, you're checking the urine strips, which we know to be completely worthless by this point. So toss those things and get a precision extra blood ketone meter. It's about 25 bucks on Amazon. Uh, the strips are kind of expensive, but you can look on eBay and buy some ketone test strips for the precision, precision extra meter and use some of those and get a much more accurate reading. Remember, the urine strips are testing the uh, excretion of ketone bodies into the urine, meaning that they were not burned up for energy, but rather excreted. So when you darken those strips, which is kind of the, uh, the go-to assignment for the novice and ill-informed uh, keto enthusiast, it means nothing. It means that you're not good at burning ketones and you're making them because you're on some crazy starvation diet uh, and who cares? So what you want to do is be able to make and burn ketones gracefully as needed. And the Shanahan Keto Flux Theory, uh, as related in the Keto Reset Diet, suggests that uh, when you get pretty good at burning ke- when you get pretty good at making and burning ketones, you're not going to accumulate high levels in the bloodstream. In fact, people who become more and more keto adapted over time often show lower blood ketone values over time. Because again, the ketones are not accumulating in the blood. They're being gracefully used by the brain as soon as they're made by the liver. And Shanahan points out that brilliant genius insight that the body never makes any more than they absolutely need of any substance. So we make the exact amount of glucose, the liver dispenses the exact amount of glucose we need at all times to have stable blood sugar. That's the liver's main job is the control tower for all energy production and utilization in the bloodstream. So the liver is constantly regulating the amount of glucose in the bloodstream. And I believe uh, trip out on this, we have, what do we have? Uh, uh, a total blood volume in the body of like nine liters. So, you know, eight or nine quarts of blood, a ton of blood going throughout the body. And the optimal blood glucose level is only five grams total circulating throughout the many, many liters of total blood volume. That is a trip. So the body's very good at regulating uh, the levels. And when it's time to make ketones, because we're devotedly fasting or restricting carbohydrate intake, we're going to pump out just the ketones we need to sustain optimal brain function and perhaps send some to the muscles as well in the early stages of keto adaptation. That's why you might get a higher number at the start of your keto journey because the ketones are uh, being called for in the muscle tissue as well as in the brain. And then as you get more and more fat and keto adapted, the muscles start to uh, become very good at burning fatty acids preferentially and preserving any ketones made in the liver uh, for an express train delivery up to the brain, knowing that the brain can't burn 
fatty acids. It can only burn glucose or the glucose-like substitute of ketones. So the end result, going back to Sharice's question, is don't worry so much about your numbers. But if you're curious, do the blood measuring and just completely forget about the urine uh, measurement. So in other words, when you uh, use the urine strips and you don't darken them, indicating that no ketones are coming out into your urine, maybe that because that's because you're using them. Hey, all right. And um, could those values be influenced by the fact that you're a type 1 diabetic? It stands to reason that it could. So uh, we're getting into medical territory there. And what I would mostly focus on are these wonderful uh, benefits that you report. Uh, your blood sugar swings have diminished. You can fast for 14 to 16 hours. Your mind is sharper than it's been in a long time. You never get crazy hungry. So everything's going great. Wouldn't worry about the numbers in the slightest. Just keep up the good work. Here goes Kathy from Montgomery, Texas. I purchased the 21-day Keto Reset book. I believe that's the Keto Reset diet you're talking about. I'm listening to the audio. I signed up for the mastery course. She's all in. She's going for it. I noticed that avocado is a great fat resource, but I have an avocado allergy that I developed after having my second child. Trip out on that uh, nuanced uh, information. So you have a kid and all of a sudden you can't eat avocados. Wow, the body works mysteriously, doesn't it? Sorry to hear that too. Is there a good substitute when the recipe calls out avocado? Perhaps olives or almond butter. Sure, why not, Kathy? Try to, I don't know about which recipe you're talking about, but substituting almond butter for avocado, sure, go for it. And uh, opening up to a bigger question and more important insight that this is all about personal preference within the stringent guidelines of ketogenic eating. So we want to nail those macros. We want to avoid the grain sugars and refined vegetable oils and junk foods even if they're keto aligned, because now we have this other uh, underground movement called dirty keto, whereby you can consume junk food provided uh, it falls in keto guidelines. What a ridiculous joke and a disgrace to our ancestors who worked so hard to become keto adapted for us. So you want to substitute avocado, try some other stuff, good luck, fun stuff. And finally, uh, let's go with Alan. Just started reading the Keto Reset Diet. I'm 74 years old, and I've been on insulin injections three times a day for the past two years. I also take metformin. I don't see anywhere in the book about how this diet would affect insulin users. Please address. Also, I don't really understand the problem with grains if they are whole and organic. My daughter swears by this diet and says it will help me. Well, Congratulations for taking this on at the age of 74 because, man, you're at make-or-break time, aren't you, Alan? I mean, the, the ravages of type 2 diabetes will take hold and contribute to your early demise if they are allowed to continue unimpeded at the advanced age of 74 when your insulin sensitivity is not as it was when you were in your 20s. You're more insulin resistant as you get older. You're less carbohydrate tolerant. In other words, you it is warranted to 
uh, under-consume carbohydrates or reduce your consumption of carbohydrates over time just to give your system a break. Otherwise, you're going to overwhelm it and start taking insulin. So interesting in your answer that you've only been doing this for two years. So I have high hopes for you that you can turn this whole thing around, just clean the carbohydrates out of your diet, especially the refined carbohydrates, get off those insulin injections and enjoy uh, a lot of healthy, happy years ahead. So uh, without getting into medical territory and commenting on how the ketogenic diet can affect you Uh, and the fact that you're taking insulin, we know that uh, adhering to ketogenic diet will help you uh, lower the overall amount of insulin you produce, which has profound longevity benefits and can also, in many cases, help you uh, get away from the injections. Of course, you're monitoring your blood sugar and seeing what happens when you eat in keto-aligned patterns. So that's great stuff because if you're check in your blood sugar and it's in the healthy range, you don't need the insulin injection. And boy, this can happen very quickly. So good luck over the next short term. And hopefully you can report back to us and say, hey, I I stopped taking insulin altogether. I mean, the past two years is nothing. That's just a blip that you can correct and be on your merry way. Oh, sorry. The second part of your question, uh, you don't understand the problem with grains if they are whole and organic. So the reason grains are frowned upon is because they are a, of minimal nutritional value and they stimulate a high insulin response, uh, even whole grains, which of course have more fiber and other nutrients than uh, refined grains, but they will still uh, ask for uh, a requisite amount of insulin production based on how many calories of whole grains you eat. So there's really no justification to consume them when Uh, taken in the big picture context context of consuming a whole bunch of other forms of carbohydrate in your diet, knowing that the number one health problem facing uh, the developed world is the massive overconsumption of carbohydrates on a daily basis. This is why it's imperative to ditch grains. They are very quickly converted in your body into glucose, uh, any form of carbohydrate that you consume. So uh, hopefully that answers your question on a basic level. It doesn't matter if they're whole or organic. And now we know with the prevalence of gut dysfunction, leaky gut syndrome, that the anti-nutrients present in grains, uh, such as the gluten that is found in wheat, uh, hopefully you know all about the disastrous health consequences that many people experience when consuming gluten. A lot of them don't even know uh, what it's doing to them because they've been feeling this way their whole life, gas, bloating, digestive discomfort after meals, lifelong accumulation of excess body fat, autoimmune and inflammatory conditions throughout the body that can be tied right there to the lifelong consumption of this offensive agent known as gluten, which is known to uh, cause an adverse reaction in the delicate lining of your small intestine where the microvilli become inflamed and damaged and dysfunctional and allow undigested foreign particles to enter your bloodstream. This is known as leaky gut syndrome, uh, stimulating an autoimmune and inflammatory reaction throughout the body. So when people ditch grains, they have an absolute awakening uh, of health and um, uh, disease correction. So that's the reason why we are frowning upon grains. Thank you for coming to the keto scene, even at the age of 74. And thank you all for listening and sending your thoughtful questions to info at ketoreset.com. 
please check out the website, ketoreset.com, where we have more information about the fabulous Keto Reset Mastery course. Take the discount, man. Why not? It's Brad20. So when you order the course online, put that in the discount field of the shopping cart, and you are good to go. Away you go with the most comprehensive support uh, out there for an enthusiast to do keto the right way. Have a great day. Bye-bye. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table? It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too per- <laughs> so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my god! So she likes like the mayo on. Oh yeah, she so she loves those. So we love them as well. We have uh, we we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo. We eat the balsamic. We eat the the ranch. Um, the avocado oil we use all the time, and, and so you know that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure.